0: Thank you for joining us today for the Church of the Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. So this morning, we want to continue with a series that we started last week, and it's just simply called Invite. And uh, today I want to talk about Pray, Invest, and Invite. And the whole focus behind this, this series is that God wants us to be those who carry his light to people around us. You know, as believers, and you might be here, maybe you're not a Christ follower today, and I just want to say thank you for being here, because we, we, we appreciate people come in who may be exploring their faith, maybe they're not yet, there yet, and I just want to say we respect that. And so hopefully today, what we share will be helpful to you. It will be encouraging as you understand maybe a bit more about what this is that we believe, and, and maybe why we do what we do. And so one of the things that we need to understand as believers is there's, uh, there's a strong call on us, if we are Christ followers, to carry the good news of Jesus to other people. And we want to look today at, at why that is and, and what it is that spurs us on, but also how we can do that. I think one of the biggest issues for many of us, the longer we are Christians, the more we go deeper into this, is sometimes... Our ability to do that effectively and even our passion to do it, it can wane. Anybody ever found that out? And sometimes it wanes because of fear, you know? It's just awkward sometimes to talk to people. And, and sometimes we don't believe that it'll make a difference if we take the risk and we just share our love, the love of Jesus with somebody. We, we wonder if it will. But today I want to look at a story and I want to look at, at a situation in the Bible that I think is going to really encourage us as we consider how we can share the good news with others. Here's what I want to encourage you with. This is not complicated. Sharing Jesus with people, loving people, showing the love of God to people is not complicated. If we do it with God's help and his grace daily and regularly and just live it out in our lives, it can just become as natural as breathing. It's really what it's meant to be. And not forced and not contrived and not difficult. In fact, I think the more forced, contrived, and difficult it becomes, the, the more people get turned off by it, right? It's just meant to be who we are and what we do and what we say and how we live. And if we can somehow have that happen in our lives, I think it'll become more normal. And we'll start seeing more of the exciting things that God wants us to see. You know, in Matthew 28, here's what Jesus said. You know we've talked about this before, but the last words of a person are pretty significant, aren't they? I, I remember one time, and I, I think I've shared this before. Um, ha- I had this tape; <laughs> shows it's a few years ago. I had a cassette tape where where it had all these famous last words of people, and so I listened to it. I, I would listen to it fairly regularly, and it, it was what people said before they died. And so often, what people say before they leave this earth is really significant. Like. Some people's words were really inspiring. Other pe- people's words, people who weren't following God, like people like Stalin, their words weren't so encouraging. Um, but Jesus had last words that we should take note of. And, and here's his last words. Now, he didn't die. He'd already died and rose again from the dead. But he ascended back into heaven. And when he ascended back into heaven, here's what he said before he left. Matthew 28 I don't have it on PowerPoint. Just listen to this. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And and so Jesus' last words to us, and we can't forget this, church. We can't forget this. His final words as he left his church were, hey, guys, I have all the authority in heaven on earth. And oh, by the way, because I have all the authority, I'm giving it to you, and I give it to you to go make disciples. I give it to you to go and replicate yourself, to go and, and help other people to find me and begin to live for me the way that I would have them to. I, I give you that authority to go and do that. That's your primary call, is to see other people uh, come to know me and, be, and come to follow me. And, and then he says this, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. In other words, pass on to them what you learn, you pass on to them. So that's our primary call. It always is. It always will be. No matter what else we do, no matter whatever else God calls us to do, the number one thing for all of us and this church actually is to go take the good news, see people come to Jesus and be discipled, grow and become more Christ-like. And if we're doing that, we're doing what Jesus said. And I want to do what Jesus said. Now, if you looked at that tense there, he says, go and make disciples Uh, Therefore, go and make disciples. Actually, it would would be more accurately, as you are going, make disciples. As you are going. The tense of it means it's active. So it's not just go, it's as you are going. So think about that. As I live, as I go to work every day, as I take care of my kids, as I go to the store, do you understand? I go and make disciples. It's not an add-on. It's not, oh, I'm going to find that extra time to make a disciple. It's actually part of life. Does that make sense? And to me, that takes the pressure off. Because it's not just, oh, i got to find time. You know, I've never talked to anyone in this city or anywhere, actually, who said they weren't busy. You ever talk to someone, hey, how are you doing? And they, and they said, man, i got so much time. I don't even know what to do with it. Like, can you help me? Like, I need more work. I mean, ever. and if that's you, come talk to me, because I can help you with this. I really can. But, but I've never, ever run into anybody like that. Nobody ever says that. Everybody's always, oh, no, I'm like tapped. I'm maxed out. I hardly have any time. And so to think of trying to do more, trying to fit in more for God, it's like, oh, how do I do it? God just says, I'm the center of your life. This is meant to be life for you, not one more program, not one more thing. This is you. This is who you are And whatever you do. And I, and I think if we could get that, it would just liberate us. It would make it more exciting. And I'm hoping by the end of today that you're more excited. At the very least, I will be. I'll tell you that right now. I will be excited because I just preach myself happy sometimes. So I'm already feeling better. All right. So it should flow naturally out of the context of our everyday lives. Now I want to read a story from John chapter four. And this is the one I want to base this message on today. So here, here's John chapter four. Jesus Jesus ministries, um, doing really well and uh he's he's prospering people are 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 getting healed and and many people impacted by his ministry and so he ends up going uh through a place called samaria now you understand something there's the jews jesus was a jew and then there was the samaritans and the samaritans were kind of looked down on by the jews they were like half jews okay they 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 weren't purebred Jews to the Jews, and so they kind of looked down on Samaritans. In fact, uh, many Jews in that day, they would not go through Samaria, and if they had to, they'd get through there quickly, but they don't want to linger in Samaria. Um, they don't like the Samaritans. Samaritans don't really like them, and so Jesus actually, uh, on his way, he, he's uh, going back to Galilee, and so he decides to go through Samaria. You know, Jesus was counter-conventional, right? People say, oh, we're not going to Samaria. Oh, we're going to Samaria. I'm going to hang out with those fine people in Samaria. So Jesus, Jesus goes to Samaria. And here, I'll start reading here in um, verse 5. So he ta- came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's Jacob well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, now his disciples had gone to get food. It tells you right here. Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to get to buy food. So Jesus was on his own. Jesus is sitting by, he's kind of tired. He's sitting by the well. This woman comes, Samaritan woman said to him, "You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman." See, she gets it. She's like, "Why are you talking to me?" Now there's two reasons why she'd be surprised. One, um, he's a Jew; she's a Samaritan woman, and secondly, she's a woman. And in those days, he wouldn't have sat there talking to her as a woman. I'm just saying, culturally. So there's two things. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Well, that's interesting. Living water, sir. The woman said, "You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water?" It sounds good, doesn't it? Living water. I, I, I'd be excited about that too. Are you going to bottle it, Jesus? Like living water, sounds good. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his own sons and livestock? Jesus answered, "Everyone who drinks this water, the water in the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst." Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Wouldn't you want that water? Eternal life bubbling up within you? She's like, I want that water. She goes, Sir, um, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. It sounds good to me. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. And she says, Well, I have no husband. And he says to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Wow, busted, right? Red or male. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. No kidding. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then the disciples return, and they're like, what? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they, Jesus is sitting here. I can just imagine they went to McDonald's. They have a little bag, little McDonald's bag. Oh, of course, it was not McDonald's, but they got, they got food. Somehow they have food. They're carrying food. And Jesus is sitting there talking to this woman, and they're like, what's going on here? And, and they're really shocked. And then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, listen to this. She goes, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, he didn't tell her everything he ever did. He told her that she had five husbands, although maybe that was everything she ever did. I mean, that's quite a lifetime there, right? Five husbands, could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And he stayed there two more days and spoke to all the people. Now, why do I give you that story? Because first of all, it's just a really, really, really cool story. And it's exciting to see how God did something there. But, But let me just say this. Jesus, you know, we often think of Jesus when we talk about this story. Jesus sat by the well. Jesus talked to the woman. Jesus prophetically spoke to her and told her that she had had five husbands, right? And we think of that, and that's pretty amazing. But we often don't think about the woman and what she did, right? Like, Jesus is a central figure, but I don't want to talk about what Jesus did. I want to talk about what the woman did because the woman encountered Jesus, and what she did after she encountered Jesus is something that each and every one of us is supposed to do. What did she do? She went, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. She was so impressed by encountering the living water, right? She encountered the Messiah. And he, he honestly, he honored her because she was a woman. She was a Samaritan. And, and obviously, she was an outcast. You know the reason why she went in the middle of the day to draw water? because no one else would be there because it's the hottest time of the day you know why she did that because she was rejected by her people because of her lifestyle you know remember five husbands and the person you're with isn't your husband her lifestyle was immoral and her people did not respect her right so she didn't want to go there when other people were there so she went there when no one was there now jesus happened to be there isn't that an interesting picture Sometimes we want to run away and hide, and we think I'm not worthy, and I'm not respectable, and no one would love me, and yet when we try and do that, who's there? Jesus. He's waiting at the well. (laughs) He's there. And what does Jesus do? He honors her. He talks to her. He draws her out, and then he gives her hope. And when she leaves, she can't wait to tell her whole community what he's done. See, this is the essence of being a disciple and telling people about Jesus. It's telling them what he has done in our lives. That's the essence of it. That's the simplicity of it. And I think sometimes, again, we get complicated. And so let me just say this. There's four things I want to briefly share out of this story. And don't get, you know, don't get daunted by the points. There's a few, you know, I've got some points here today, just get the general essence. That's all I care about. If you, if you leave with the essence of this, that'd be great. You don't have to repeat all the information back to me. So here's the four things. Number one, we want to look at walking into our world. We want to look at transparent Christian living, telling our story, and then issuing an invitation, okay? So I want to look at that briefly. Here's the first one. Walking into the world. Leaving your water jar, the woman we went back to the town. John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You know, Jesus sends us into our world. And again, I want to encourage you to think about your world being where you, the condo you live, the job you have, those people you meet every day in your job. Some of them you love, some of them not so much. I've been in jobs where I didn't love everybody that I worked with right? But those people are part of your world, and you're called to walk into their lives. So here's some benefits. Actually, I, I just want to take a concept for you that a few years ago in our other church in Medicine Hat, we did a series called Just Walk Across the Room. It's by a man named Bill Hybels. He's, one, he's a great Christian leader, if you've ever read his stuff, a great leader, wonderful church in Illinois. And um, his whole idea was Sometimes the way to carry the good news to people is as simple as me being on one side of the room at an event and someone being over there and all I do is I walk over to them and make conversation and talk with them. And just walking across the room sometimes can make all the difference in the world, right? It can can be everything, just walking across the room. In fact, in his book, he talks about how most people um, walk 10,000 steps a day right? Not, not, maybe not most people, but a lot of people. I try. I, I have an app on my phone that tells me how far short I am most of the time. But, but you know, 10,000 steps is a good goal. And the point he made was if you walk 10 steps, that's like one one thousandth of your daily walking. And yet those 10 steps where you reach out and walk over to someone and talk to somebody you wouldn't normally talk to might be everything it might be the most meaningful 10 steps of your whole day. That's his point. So here's some benefits of when we walk into our world. Number one, it will feed us. Jesus said his disciples come back and they're carrying their food, you know, whatever that is, and they see Jesus and they're like, "Don't, don't you want food, you know? And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What was Jesus saying? Was he saying he didn't need food anymore? He didn't need physical food? No, not of, of course he did. He was saying, the essence of my life, what really gets me going, gives me f- life and energy and passion is when I know I'm doing what God called me to do. When I know that I am fulfilling my father's mandate, that's when I'm most excited. That's when I feel fed. Anybody can relate to that? I know personally, there's a lot of different things I do, but the things that feed me the most is when I know God has just used me to impact somebody's life. And I was able to speak truth. And it might be someone who doesn't know Jesus, might be someone who does, but but I was able to reach in and be an encouragement. And no matter how bad my day has been, no matter how tired I even feel at times, I feel energized. Some of my best moments in life is when I pushed through my fatigue, tiredness, discouragement, and I went in anyway, and I tried to be a blessing, and God came through. That was when I went, boy, I'm glad I did this. I remember I remember in Bible school, we used to have a, a group that went downtown Portland. I went to Portland Bible College. We'd go down to downtown Portland every Friday night and we would talk on the streets to people and uh, you know Friday night I mean, I was up early every day, I worked in the kitchen most days uh, at Portland Bible College and you know, I was young then, like 2019, So I was pretty young, but I was still pretty tired by Friday night. I remember most Friday nights, I was like cross-eyed. I'm like, I don't want to go downtown. I'm tired. I want to go to my bunk. I remember I debated most Friday nights. I just debated. I don't want to do this. But then I'd always think, yeah, but who am I going to miss if I don't go down there? If I don't go down there, I'll miss somebody. I know I will. And then I wouldn't have had the opportunity and then and I'll go. So i go and I'd always be tired. And then i go down and... All sorts of great stories happen. I won't share them right now, but lots of times talking to people and it was wonderful. And I'd always come back energized, like not even feeling tired anymore. Why? Because my spirit was alive. Because I was doing what God called me to do. Because I was seeing fruit. I think sometimes we just get really tired because we're not seeing enough fruit. I'm serious. I'm preaching to myself, right? I mean, I'm just doing a lot of stuff, but I'm not really seeing the stuff happen in my life. And it's like, ah... God says, get simple again, yeah, and just start doing the things. Just start being someone who carries the good news and makes disciples. It will feed you. Number two, it will expand you. Philemon 6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Isn't it interesting that understanding fully how good God is to us and how, how much he's provided is actually tied to us sharing our faith. I mean, honestly, folks, I could sit down and pull out a theological book, and I could study the good things I have in Jesus forever. I mean, I could, I could study that. I'd go, I'm really trying to get chapter four. You know, this is really good stuff. I could do that. But if I didn't share my faith, if I wasn't active engaging with other people, the word of God's clear that I won't have a full understanding of every good thing. There's something that where we understand the reality of being a believer when we are sharing that with others. There's just, we can't get it any other way. We're our most alive. We're our most growing. So it'll expand us when we share our faith. Number three, it will purpose us. It will purpose you. Philippians 1.21, I love this passage. This is Paul the apostle, great leader of the New Testament. He says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, the saving of many lives. You know, in Philippians 1, he says, I think my race is almost over. Paul's saying, you know, I I think I'm probably going to go to heaven soon. And he's kind of debating. He's like, you know, I'd really like to go to heaven, Paul's saying. Like, if you thought of Paul's life, he was shipwrecked so many times. He was hungry. He was beaten up, put in prison. I mean, if I were Paul, I'd want to go to heaven. You know, he's like, you know, heaven sounds pretty good right now. But then he says in this chapter, which is so amazing, he says, But if I go on living, it'll help you. It'll help other people. It'll touch other lives. So he kind of, later on, he goes, so I think I'll go on living. That's what he says. You should read it. It's very amazing. Like, in other words, he's saying, you know, I think think my time's up, and, you know, I kind of like to go to heaven, but, you know, I'll hang around a little longer. I mean, not that he had any choice. It was up to God. But he's saying, I I, want to be here longer. I want to see more people touch. I want to affect more people you know, you think of Billy Graham. Billy Graham's funeral was a week ago. I sat watching that. I was just, oh, so many tears. Thinking of his life, thinking of the fruit of his life. You know, Billy Graham's one of the few Christian leaders who hasn't had all these scandals attached to him, right? Most people, even in the world, people that don't, are Christ followers, still respect Billy Graham. He, he knew presidents. He they say 200 and, what is it, 215 million people probably impacted and 75 million directly from him. That's a lot of people. And, and I remember hearing a, a, somebody had a, like a vision before he died and didn't realize he was dying. And the vision was of him entering heaven. And when he entered heaven, there was this stadium of people and they just, they were like, you know, a roar and clapping and trumpets. And I bet that was. Because how many people are in heaven because of him? like millions, honestly. I, I know Christian leaders like Keith Hazel, founder of our network, Dave Wells, current leader of our network. They gave their lives to Jesus because of Billy Graham. So I mean, his impact, and then all the people they impacted. Like it's, it blew my mind thinking of his life, his integrity, his genuineness. It's just, oh. But you know what What it did for me? It made me realize what matters again, Right? Like, I want heaven to be full because of my life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to, personally, I want to impact as many people or impact as many people who could impact as many people so that heaven is populated because of my life. Because that's what we believe as Christians. And, and for those who aren't Christians, it might seem, well, why are those guys so, so up on that? Why, why does that mean so much to them? Why are they so into that? Well, can I just explain this? When you believe like we do, that the resurrection of Jesus and the salvation through his shed blood of his son and and what he did on the cross and is everything and it saves us from our sins and it means that we can be with him in heaven forever. When you believe that, you can't help but tell other people. Because it's everything. It's everything. And if we don't have that, we don't have anything. There is an eternity in hell. I'm just being honest, that's the reality for us. If we really embrace it, it's gonna drive us, it's gonna push us, it's gonna cause us to go to our knees and pray for our relatives and our friends and say, oh God, touch their lives. That's how I feel. And sometimes, personally, I just haven't been awake enough. I've let fear, I've let what other people think of me, I've let my own busyness stop me from thinking and praying. I'm not, this isn't meant to be some heavy thing, but I do feel we need to take the burden that God has for us. The the burden, the exciting burden of being disciple makers. The exciting burden of saying, God, I'm here. I want to be available to you. I want to serve you. It it will purpose you. It will fill you with the presence of God. I'm going to jump through some of these. It, It will glorify God. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You know, if you and I want to honor and glorify the Father, he tells us right there what to do. Bear a lot of fruit. Bear fruit. Be fruitful people. Be Christ followers who are fruitful. By my grace, by my strength, bear much fruit. Okay, number two. I want to talk about transparent Christian living. <sighs> I remember when I was a seeker Christian. Oh, man. So when I, was, when I was a teenager, I was just this early teenager. I was this really good kid. And I didn't swear. In fact, uh, my, my classmates knew I didn't swear. And they'd bug me about it. But um, they still liked me, which was good. But they bugged me. But I was, I was kind of an undercover Christian, right? I was just a really good kid. But I didn't really tell anybody about my faith. And I had this really, I had this friend. He was my best friend. And, um, and I hadn't told him yet. And I really liked him. To be honest, I grew up uh, moving all these schools, and I never had a best friend. I'd always be like the friend of everyone, best friend of no one. That was kind of the way I, I lived because I was always the new kid. And so I finally, about 14 years old, I had this friend who became my best friend. We played sports together. We, we did everything. I mean, we were just like Ian and Sterling, Sterling and Ian all the time. And one day, I remember I was downtown, downtown Picture Butte. It's a big place. <laughs> I was downtown Picture Butte. And I, and I was walking. I remember this. And God spoke to me. And he said, Ian, what about your friend Sterling? And I was like, Oh, what? He goes, Have you told him what you believe? Have you told him about Jesus? Uh, no. He says, Well, don't you think you should? Like, he, seriously, he was. Don't you think you should? Because he needs me. He needs to know me. Uh, yeah. Like I was. I remember it was uncomfortable because. I was, kind of a, I was kind of scared. I, I, I was really timid about my faith. And I, was, and I didn't want to push him away, honestly. You need to understand this. Again, if you're not a Christ follower and you say, "Well these people are pushy. You know, they don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be pushy with my friend. I love my friend. And what if he rejects me and says, I don't like you anymore because you're a Christian. I didn't want that. I love my friend. But Jesus says, do you love me more than just loving your friend? Do you love me? Do you love my message? Do you love his soul? Yeah, I do. Anyway, God was gracious to me. I started to become aware. I started thinking about it. And then one night, we were going on a ski trip. And uh, we were down the basement. It was late. Our basement was unfinished. My mom kept yelling, yelling down the stairs for us to be quiet. She didn't know what was going on. But anyway, so because I'm, I'm like, he's suddenly in the middle of the darkness. And this is how God can move. He goes, Ian, my grandfather just died last year. He said, do you think that he can see me from heaven? <laughs> what a softball. You know, it's just like, pitch it in there. I think God's going, Ian, you can connect with this one, right? So I did. I shared the whole gospel with him. I told him how a person goes to heaven. I told him about my life. I told him about my faith. Like I said, I was like 14, 15 years old. And that night, he gave his life to Christ in my basement before a ski trip. And the next day on the ski trip, as we, you know, raced each other in the World Cup, because that's what we did, um, we talked on the T-bar, and we talked as we were up there about faith. We talked about his, new, his newfound faith, and, and he's still a believer today. And, and I was able to go through high school with him, and the two of us were like a strong duo. But my point is, I, before that, I was an undercover Christian. I didn't want to bring my faith into it. And God just was telling me, Ian, you've got you've to bring your faith in. You've got to be real. Now, let me just say this to all of you here. We need God to help us with this. I would pray for you as I pray for myself that with your friends, family members, neighbors, the people that you care about, Say, God, give me natural moments. Give me, but Lord, I'm gonna be aware. Listen, God, I'm gonna be aware. I'm gonna be looking. I'm gonna be sensitive to what you're wanting to do. But Lord, you throw me the softball and I'll hit it. Like seriously, I will take it. And and I just encourage you not to be undercover. Figure out how to let people know who you are in a way that's not obnoxious and weird. But just hey, you're a believer. And, and the best thing to do is, A, you need to speak it at times, tell them, but then you need to live it, right? We all know those people that say they're Christ followers, and then you look at their life, and it's like, eh, I wish you'd be quiet about it, right? <laughs> You're not giving us a good name here. Because it, it's true, and, and here's the hard part. We'll, we'll go to people, and we'll tell them we're a Christ follower, we want and they'll always have that friend they know, or that person. Oh, yeah, but I knew a Christian once, and he, he messed me over in business i just say if you're here today and you're not a christ follower yet and that might be one reason why you're not can i just say this i'm really sorry on behalf of all of us i'm sorry for those christians that don't represent jesus well i'm sorry for those that have you know not lived it well but can i just say this don't let that be an excuse because yes for everyone that's out there that doesn't represent him well and is flawed there are so many that love him genuinely and and don't let that person keep you from heaven Don't let that guy's bad example. Forgive us for it, but honestly, let them go and say, God, I want to find you. I don't want to channel through that guy. I want to know you for myself. That's all I would say. In your daily lives, where are you clearly known as a Christian and where are you not? What does an authentic Christian life look like? Maybe just say, God, are there parts of my life where it's just not the best? When people see me, God help me. God help me change. I want to look like you. Authentic Christianity, walking into our world. I want to give you an example this morning. I want to ask my wife Valerie and then Agatha Clement to come up. God bless you, Agatha. Come on up here. Agatha's so bold. I so appreciate it. I She's doing me a big favor in coming up here. But I want to just show you, come on over here. You guys are front and center. They're way better looking than I am, so... I'm just glad they're there. Anyway, so um, I'll just give you that, bell. So I want to bring them up here because I want to give you, a, I want to share a story with them of how we can walk into our world and how God can use simple things to make a big difference. So um, my wife, Valerie, has had a, ever since we moved to Calgary, she's had, she calls it Budget to Bless, where she used so much money regularly to buy Tim Horton's $5 gift cards and give them out to people she senses to give them out to. She's given out a lot over the years. So Val, can you just share briefly how you met Agatha and how that fit into that?
1: Yes, I can. So So I think think it it was was, um, maybe maybe three three years ago ago, and and I I was going into the Tim Hortons by Costco and uh, I was going to buy the cards to replenish my stock to give give out again. And this beautiful young woman was the cashier that sold them to me. And as I am buying these from her, I sense the Holy Spirit say, give Aga to one of them. And we had made some small talk I'd asked her about because I loved her accent and I asked she where she was from and and I asked how she found living in, in Canada and just heard a little bit of her story in those few moments that I had. And then I thought, Lord, this is kind of weird. She works here. Why would I... Okay. And so I went to the table and I filled them out because what I, what I write in them uh, usually is uh, just a friendly reminder that God loves and cares for you. And so... I filled them all out, sat at the table, and then I went up and she was in a side part. This is how I remembered, so if I'm wrong, you can correct me. And I, I just said, I said, Agatha, can I give this to you? And I don't remember if I had my phone number in it or what. But anyway, I handed it to her. I did. I did. Thank you. Okay. I had put my phone number in. I felt like, you know, the whole the Lord was highlighting her to me. So I gave the card to her. And um and then I can't remember exactly what happened after that. If you do you remember?
2: I remember uh, I'm sorry, for my English,'m first of all. <laughs> okay. um, I remember it was uh, I went on my break, and uh, I had to clean the tables, and uh, that's when Valerie gave me the card. And uh, after I went on my break and I called my husband, that back then he was only my boyfriend. So I called him and I told the story about uh, what just it's happened. Seven. And that uh, Valerie just gave me a Tim Hortons card. with a, uh, I didn't know back then how much was on the card, but uh, it was $5. And then I got a $20 uh, tip as well. So I called my husband and I told him the story about Valerie. And then uh, uh, he was, and, and I told him the card says, uh, that's a fer- just a friendly reminder that God loves and cares for you. And then my, my husband was speechless, and I kept saying, "Oh Andrew, Andrew, are you still there on the phone?" <laughs> and uh, he said, you don't, "You're not going to believe me, but last time last, last day, last night, I was just praying uh, for God that He give me uh, a sign that if, he's, if he still loves and cares for us, just give us a sign. And God just did the next day.
0: All right, so story continues, so that's exciting, so the story continues, and um, so did you connect with Egita after that?
1: We did, we started having coffees every now and then, and I wanted to get to know her better and just see what God might do, and, um, and, and it was good, we, we did it a few times, and then the last, over this last year though, I, I lost touch. Right, I didn't, I didn't message her as much, and she doesn't know this, but this is what happened. There was a couple of things. First of all, I got caught up in my own life, but secondly, I kind of got discouraged because I thought, Lord, I don't feel like this is going somewhere where you want it to go, and, and that's not a right attitude, but I'm just confessing to you, that was, my, that was my thought. I thought, what am I making a difference? Is anything changing for them? because of this. And so so I had actually told the Lord, I said, if you want me to continue to connect with Agatha, please have her connect with me. And nothing happened. This, the, the spring went by, the summer went by, and into the fall. And then I started thinking about her. Was it November, maybe? I started thinking about her every day. And uh, she just kept coming to mind. And I thought, oh, I've got to message Agatha, I should message Agatha Finally, one, one morning... I just had my devotions, and I went, fine, (laughs) I'll just quickly, and I quickly made a text to Egita, and I said, Egita, how are you? I know it's been a really long time, but how are you doing? She messaged back, I think it was within the half hour, and she said, "Um, I'm doing really good. My faith in God is stronger than ever, she said, and then she said, and I just found out that I have cancer. That was amazing. And then I found out later, do you want to tell this part about Andrew, what he what he'd felt <laughs> like? Uh,
2: I told my husband that Valerie just contacted me through text message. And uh, Andrew was almost crying that he told me that he had a dream last night that uh, Valerie is asking about me. Mm. And he told Valerie, "Why don't you contact Agatha and then ask ask her how <laughs> is she doing?" And she just did the next day, actually. So,
1: wow, it was incredible. It was like incredible. God's
2: moving, yeah. yeah.
0: So then um, you started to connect again. We,
2: I think
1: we did. We connected right away, and then I think you guys came to church right away. Came to right church, away. yeah. Within yeah. the next Sunday or two, that you guys There's came, no and you had come, yet. you'd come. That's right. The prayer. Okay, we. I said, "There's people in our church who would love to pray for you." about this challenge that you're facing right now. So she came and then... She um, came
0: and then I think they responded in, at in the, end service of the service to the Lord and recommit their lives to the
1: Lord. And um, and then just recently... And then just this week... Can you tell everyone?
2: I just got a good news on Friday. I went to the doctor and uh, he told me that I'm cancer-free. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> so good. The whole thing happened in, in two months, and I was healed within the two months, actually. And God is, is awesome, what he's doing, and, and it, he's, he's great. It's, it's amazing. It's a miracle.
0: Amen. Give a big clap. This is this a good story? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing. Let's give another clap. That's a feel-good story. Now, let's just unpack that for a moment think about it where did it start started with a very simple gesture giving a Tim Hortons (coughs) card to a Tim Hortons worker which would probably seem a little counterintuitive but (laughs) Val did that that opened the door simple right there was no high risk of rejection how many people reject you for giving them a five dollar Tim's card even if they don't like the message they'll deal they'll use the card right Um, but there was something that happened and then God kept working They came to church. God was working. And now God has touched uh, Agatha and healed her. And Andrew and Agatha are with us, part of our church. That is exciting. Now, let let me just say this. That is just a one story. How many more stories are right here? How many more? Many. God can use you. He can use me. Simple stuff. It's just being available. You, You know what I think the biggest picture is for all of us? I think... If we could see the Holy Spirit working, like physically see it, see him working, we would watch as he moved from person to person, believer to believer, wanting to encourage them. Would you pray for this person? Would you, hey, there's this person here, would you pray for him? Or would you, there's, a, there's someone coming right now. Would you, would you just show him my love? And I think what happens is here's what happens. I think there's those that are eager and ready, and they're like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on, I'm here, I'll do it. But I think what happens is happened to me. He comes, hey, would you? And I'm kind of not there. He's like, oh, okay. And he goes, tries to find somebody else. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I think that's what he does. He's moving and looking. The Bible says that, the, that God is looking all the time. The Spirit of the Lord searches the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully towards him, that he can strengthen them. His eyes are roaming and looking for people who are sold out, who are ready to do his work. And I don't think it has to be that overt and bold. I think it's just simple uh, like that. I think it's just us being intentional. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, And then I'm going to zip through the last two really quick here. Thirdly, tell our story. Um, Can I just say this? Your personal story is the most important thing you carry. When Jesus has touched your life and you have a testimony of it, it is powerful. Don't ever underestimate your story. It's really hard to actually argue with a good story. Be like someone coming up to Agatha, and Agatha just shares that story how Jesus touched her and healed her, and they, and they say to her, no, he didn't. And she would say, yes, he did. <laughs> and how can they argue? Her life has changed. They can't argue with you. So tell your story. Tell your story. What is your story? Well, let me give it to you real quick. Everyone can do this. Here is four quick points to tell somebody about what Jesus did in your life. Number one, tell them what your life was like before being a Christian. What was your life like? Were you afraid? Were you, you, know, were you involved in a lifestyle that was just tearing you apart and hurting you? What, what was your life like? Was it empty? Were you one of those people that had an empty life? What, what was your life like? What caused you to come to Jesus? What was it that caused you? Was it, was it that hunger? Was it somebody talking to you? How did you finally come to faith? When was the moment where you knelt by your bed or you prayed in your car or, and you said, Jesus, come into my life? And then lastly, what difference has it made to you? Maybe those needs you had earlier, yeah, I was really afraid, but then Jesus came and he brought peace to my life and he gave me confidence. Just simply, what, what was your life like What caused you to come to know Jesus? When did you do that? And how has your life changed? Simple stuff, simple stuff. And if you know how to do that, it'll give you an opportunity. I want to encourage you with with one other part of this about explaining the gospel. And I'm not going to, there's lots to share on this. We'll have to continue on. But um, I want to just encourage you with something. Sometimes we don't even have to be the ones who share all the points i'll give an example so on the weekend i went to saskatoon last weekend so i was on the plane and uh the guy (laughs) i was sitting beside here are these people they just obviously don't want to talk to you at all right like they just make it clear there is a wall here between you and me i am not even looking at you this was this guy and uh, anyway i won't get into it but he was just that way and so i mean i just you know had a book and sat there and Anyway, so, but finally, as we landed, there was this woman beside me across the aisle. And so I kind of wish I'd struck up a conversation with her earlier because I said, hey, I I can't remember what I said. And we started talking and she told me she was visiting her sister in Saskatoon. Her name was Paula. And uh, that was great. And I said, oh, wonderful. Well, have a good time. See ya. So she left. And then we got rerouted to leave Monday from the airport because of the storm and so we ended up being on the same flight. There's Paula from, you know, Vernon. And she's heading back. And, hey, Paula, how are you? How is your sister? So, you know, we reconnected, talking. And somehow found out that Paula and I are a month apart in age, I think, because I mentioned my birthday. Whatever. Anyway, get to know people. I don't know. So, so I'm, but here I'm meeting this Paula. And I'm thinking, I will never see Paula in my life again, probably. You ever thought about that? That's how I think, right? I'm thinking... I have this connection with Paula. It's not a great connection, but we've, you know, we've talked. And, and uh, I, I want, how would I let Paula know what I'm about, right? So she knew it was a pastor because I told her I was there for the weekend for that. So anyway, so we're leaving. Val and I are, we're in Calgary now. She's waiting for her flight. We walk by her. I said, see you, Paula. And as I leave, the Lord reminds me that I have my business cards and I brought my little tracks with me because I really made sure this time I had these we by the way you don't maybe you don't remember this we have a whole bunch of little leaflet nice high quality we call them tracks, booklets whatever you want they explain what we believe they're out there at the info table you can use them any time you want anyway I have, I have a bunch of them and he reminded me He says you have that now I'll be honest with you can I just be isn't it good to be honest in church I think it is my initial thought was uh you know, Paula will think I'm weird now. Like, sir, I'm being honest. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go back, give her this tract, and she's going to, oh, one of them and those people. And, and the Lord says, well, do you care about Paula? You'll probably never see her again. Like, the Lord's talking to me. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, how selfish of me, right? So I, I went and got it, and I went back. And I went, hey, Paula. And I had my business card, and, my, and I said, here. I said, I just want to give you this. This Right here is the most important message in my life. And I just wanted to share it with you. You can do whatever you want with that. But it was so great meeting you. Thank you, Paula. And she said to me, I thought you would come back. <laughs> she just had a feeling I was going to come back. And she said, <clears throat> she said, I am, because it says on the front, are you going to heaven? That's pretty. And she says, I am going to heaven. And we didn't get to talk more about why. But I said, well, that's great. Thank you, Paula, God bless you. And I left and I felt the Lord say, you did what I told you to do. Now, how simple was that? Was that painful to me? Was I persecuted? No, but I, sh- do you understand? Simple, simple. And we have these available. Look, we can be planting seed all the time if we're not afraid. Does this make sense? Okay, I'm done basically. There's so much more could be said and we'll we'll talk about it. I do have one last thing though that I want to, point out to you would you look in your program and and pull one of these out it's called the power of one can you do that real quick this is what we're closing on the power of one here's what i want to encourage you to do this this sheet look just go through it with me if you don't have a program shame on you i mean no uh i'm just kidding i'm joking joking <laughs> No, if you don't have a program, you can get one. You can get one of these sheets as you go out, okay? But here's what it is. It's the, it's called the Power One. It says, list names of five family or friends. And then part B is, pray this for three weeks. So the next three weeks before Easter. Pray for one minute at one o'clock for one person. Pray for one minute for your church. So that's two minutes at one o'clock. Or another time you choose. Connect with each of them once in the month by phone, text, or visit to see how they are. And part D, invite one of those you're praying for to the Easter service. Now, I only say that as a suggestion because our Easter service is geared towards showing people the love of Jesus and giving them this message. It could be a really good opportunity for you to invite somebody who's interested in Easter and normally doesn't go to church. Maybe they come at Easter. But but what I'm encouraging you to do is pray. Do, do you get that? One o'clock, one minute, five days a week for five people just one person a day just you say well that's only a minute yeah but that's that's intentional and, and my point is if we would all do this and begin to think about and pray for people we want to share the good news with I believe that more situations like Val and Agatha are going to happen I believe God's going to set it up and I believe we're going to see people come to know Jesus my last thought as we close is remember that all of this is because of love, right? The reason that we want to share our faith with people, the reason we want to make disciples is twofold. We love Jesus and we want to obey him and we love his people and we want to help them, right? It's love. Let's stand, please, and let's pray. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.